Welcome to MedHeads, the weekly show that brings a biopsychosocial focus to issues of the day, along with special guests who will showcase their expertise and enthusiasm about their field of practice. Your host, Dr. Fergal Armstrong. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong, and welcome to this episode of MedHeads. Back on the show, we have Craig Payne, a group facilitator. Hello, Craig. How are you? Yeah, great. Thanks, Virgil. Good to see you again. How are you? Good, good. So uh, today we're going to talk about acceptance. And I suppose also we need to be clear, it's acceptance in the context of alcohol and other drug issues. So how would you define that? Uh, well, I just think that there's, a, there's a difference between acceptance and acknowledgement. Um, and obviously, I think acceptance is the opposite of denial. But um, I think for a long time, people acknowledge that there's a problem and maybe know that there's a problem, but it's only when they fully accept it that they're starting to open themselves up to, um, to change and to, and, to, and to finding solutions to the problem. So what you're saying then is that acceptance is the prelude to real meaningful change, yeah? Yeah, I suppose it falls into the action stage if you were thinking of the cycle of change. But, um, you know, there's, there's been thinking about things for a long time, but accepting that there's a problem is, you know, it was when that action starts to take place and, and yeah, and then change is possible. So, you know, we've spoken before about acceptance and you've previously said that acceptance is needed for treatments to be effective. Yeah, that's one of the points that you've made to me before. Have you seen people in your in your line of work where where they they've been to groups, they've been in therapy, but the the therapeutic intervention has not had the desired effect? Have you seen that? Yeah, countless times, um, mm-hmm. and it's been acknowledged a lot of times by uh, people coming through the service. Uh, you know whether they they've been through the detox before, they might've been through a number of detoxes before and rehabs and past treatments. And you often hear them say, I I came through and I wasn't really giving myself to the program. Uh, I wasn't participating the way other people were. I wasn't opening up as much as, as I could have. And, you know, and it, and they don't get the full benefit from the program. And, and that lack of opening up, that's a lack of acceptance, is it? Well, it's a lack of um, willingness, and so much flows from acceptance. You know, mm-hmm. um, by accepting that there's the problem, and maybe there's different ways, and there's new ways of trying things. And um, I think what what happens is people people come back, and and they when they acknowledge that you know that they saw others doing it differently last time and they saw the changes that happened in, in those in those people um, and they saw mm. a lot more growth and so they see the potential of that and so they start to accept that maybe I need to do that and maybe that's the way I need to move forwards in this and right. you see real change when that happens you see real mm. progress acceptance comes in in all sorts of forms too it's acceptance mm. it's, it challenges beliefs it challenges ideas it's that, that thought of, yeah, but I know me and I know what works for me. Well, maybe you don't. And it's time to accept that there's new, there's new ways of doing things. 
Yeah, we, we have talked about the yeah buts before, haven't we? The yeah but, the yeah but. Yeah. Yeah, that's, <laughs> so, that'll so, work for you, but so, it doesn't so, work for me. <laughs> so um, I suppose one way of thinking about acceptance is when the yeah buts stop. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what did yeah. I say? you got uh, two ears and one mouth. You know, and it's yeah. when you're willing to shut, shut, shut your mouth and open your ears and actually start to listen and, um, and understand what works for people and explore yeah. what's worked for people and stop challenging things all the time. That's when change happens. What do you mean by that? Stop challenging things all the time. <clears throat> the yeah buts. Um, and Can you give us an example? Just, well, there's the thoughts of... Um, uh, you know, like even like simple things can can come down to. Let me think of you know, like trying to get into a routine or trying to get up early in the morning. Oh, no, I'm much more of an afternoon person. I, I I like to sleep all day. Well, hang on. And what what we hear a lot coming through the service is, wow, I didn't realise how much getting in this routine has helped me. Getting up and eating breakfast in the morning, getting up and having lunch, doing a little bit of exercise. Um, you know, and it's something that I've wouldn't have done before. I haven't eaten breakfast for years. Like that's just a simple example, but just a little change that um, that someone's willing to make. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, let's go back to this idea. You've got one mouth and two ears. What what you're saying is that that people who are effectively engaging in change listen more than they talk in the therapeutic communities and groups that you run. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and they start to listen um, and they start to participate. Um, right. It's, it's, you know, that, what's that old thing? There's you know, the difference between listening and hearing. Um, you can what hear is the things, difference? But you're, not actually listen, well, you're not actually listening to what's being said. But when you're actually really listening, you're starting to, to take it in a lot more. Um, and you're starting to, as I said before, you know, just yeah, get willing to, um, will, willing to participate. Um, and you're actually hearing what works for other people. And, and that yeah, but stops. And right. you start to think, right. okay, I'll right. give that a go. Now, that can be all sorts of things. That can be like, and I think this is where people fight for so long to control their substance. And that acceptance comes around at some stage when they say, all right, I fought for so long to control this, but it actually controls me and, and I understand that now because they've listened to what other people have done. They've listened to other people's stories. They've listened to what's worked for other people and they've started to understand that, okay, maybe they tried to control drink on weekends. Maybe they tried to um, only party once a month. All these things that people tried mm. and tried and tried but weren't willing to accept that, hey, I'm an addict or I'm an alcoholic, so I can't actually control this. And that's, yeah. that's where they start to put, put things into place. And so those... when, when, you, so when you see the other people in the group doing the yeah buts or finally letting go of the yeah buts or acknowledging that this actually is a yeah but, all those excuses, those same excuses that you yourself are using to maintain your drug use or to justify your drug use, when you see those excuses disappear and others and, and others uh, develop a recovery journey, that's a key moment, is it? It is. It's a real breakthrough. 
Um, and, you know, it, it, yeah, there's the term surrender, you know, and it's finally surrendering to the fact that there's a problem and surrendering yeah. to the fact that, okay, I need to, I, I need to open myself up. I need to, I need to, yeah. maybe I do need to look at abstinence. Yeah. yeah. And that takes time. Yeah. So that's an interesting point. Do you ever meet people who are able to control their substance use? Do you ever, do you, I mean, you know, people talk about it all the time. No, no, I, I'm only going to use on weekends. Uh, you know, I'm only going to party once a month or I'm only going to drink after five o'clock only on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. And, you know, I'm going to drink a pint of water in between each. Have you ever met someone who can effectively control their substance use? Yeah, absolutely. There's plenty of people around. And I think this is where, when we get to the difference of, an alcoholic, what's an alcoholic, what's an addict. Um, and you know, and it's that, that fight to be normal. There's, and this is, you know, there's plenty of people around that can go to a pub and have two beers and leave. There's plenty of people around that can go and party once a month. Uh, so what's the addicts difference? and alcoholics can't. What's, what's the well, difference? They, well, that, if we can unlock that, we'll have the key, key to the problem, <laughs> won't we? But uh, so if you can tell me that, that'd be, that'd be great. And um, that we'll, we'll go down the medical. But, and this is where the disease model sits, I think, with, with the addiction as well, you know, is that there's just a percentage of people that once substances hit their, hit their system, it then can, it, it takes control. And it's that, I think it's that, what keeps people trapped in addiction for so long is that that want to be normal, whatever the hell normal is, you know, yeah. and want to be one of those people that just goes to the pub on a Thursday night once a week or wants to yeah. come home and just have two glasses of wine. There's plenty of people out there that, that exist like that, but the alcoholic, the addict, they can't do that. And so, that confusion yeah. lies, well, people try and hold it, think it's willpower. People think it's, you know, that I should be able to control this because I've got every other aspect of my life under control. I'm doing these things and, and everything's fine. Just when I hit the piss, it all goes out the window. And, you know, surely, why can't I just go down there on Friday night? Surely I can just have a beer on the weekend. The alcoholic doesn't have that ability. And so this is like, this is where that acceptance comes in and it's like well and it's only learning the hard way it's by trying over and over and over again to control and control and until eventually you just sort of reach a point where it's like well i can't control this this controls me so maybe i do need to look at abstinence and again and, and even there's a long fight from that point a lot of the time so, so that's like so the difference is that there's just a percentage of people that that can't touch it and that's it. Right. But every, every patient, every addict that you look after has gone through a stage when he is with others who are using, misusing, but they're not dependent on it. They're not addicted to it. And he's not dependent or not addicted to it yet. And that might be, look, literally after the first episode, or it might be after the 10th episode that finally, the, 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 or, or, we, there's, a, there's, a, there's an unknown time, but beyond which the substance has got its claws into you. Yeah? 
How do you know when that's happened to you? <laughs> when the problems start to rack up, when the problems start to pile up, um, when you can sort of trace everything back to, um, you know, just think of my stuff, you know, like incidents that happened, events that happen can all be attributed to a substance. But I think one of the key points there is um, what happens is maybe they are with a, a group of people that go out on a weekend and maybe, you know, and, and they're the one, how do you know you're the one with, with the problem? Well, yeah. you're the one that's, you're the one that's, those people are just are, are going out on Saturday night and the rest of their week is just running normally and they don't give a shit. They don't give a thought about anything using again during the week. They're only like, it'll be Saturday night or it'll be two weeks, once a month, whatever it is. But the addict is thinking about it the next day. They're already thinking about next Saturday. So on Sunday morning, they're waking up thinking, I can't wait to do this again. Or maybe I could do this Monday night as well. Maybe I could do this Thursday night. Maybe I could do, but, and they're, they're just looking for that, that relief. So it's that, that constant presence. And that's where the control, the substance then has control. And that, even though it might not be happening every day, if it's being thought about every day, there's a problem. Yeah. yeah? And that's, and, and that's hard to, hard to do. Well, I'm not using it every day. Yeah. But the, maybe, maybe the only thing getting you through the week is the fact that, you know, Friday night's coming and all you're thinking yeah. about is going out Friday night and partying. And that's the yeah. different in the levels of thinking. The other people, they're playing their sport. They're doing all sorts of stuff. They're, you know, they're contributing to family, like all, all this sort of stuff through, through the week, which maybe the addict is as well. But their, their focal point isn't on the substance at the end of the week. Right. And that's right. where, and that's where that controls so hard. People fight so hard to control the substance. And, they, and if all they're trying to do is like, okay, I'm only going to drink on Saturday night. And when I go to the pub, I'm going to have six pots. I'm going to watch the footy and I'm going to go home. And all week, they're just winding up and winding up and fighting so hard not to drink on any other night because Saturday's coming. And then Saturday comes and they have that one and then they have a bender. And, then, and, yeah, and they don't stop for the night. Because they're so unable another, to just have one that, or two. That, that, that's, another, um, that's another diagnostic criteria, if you will. The inability to not have the bender when you finally give yourself permission to use that, that drug. Because we've discussed how the drug is, is permeating your thinking all week. And now when you get to the weekend, you can't not have the bender. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. It's like, and, then, and then that's where the the feelings the next day wake up. Oh, why did I do that again? I was only going to go to the pub and I was only going to have six, you know, and yeah. I went out again. And I, yeah. And so that lack of ability to control and that fight to control all the time, people yeah. that don't have substance abuse problems don't have that fight to control. They'll leave half a pot on the bar and they'll walk out the door. They'll have yes. one beer or, or say, no, today I'm not drinking, you know, and it, and it's not a big deal to them. Yes. For the alcoholic, for the addict, that's yes. a big deal. To go without is the thought. The thought brings up fear. 
And is it different and between, it say, alcohol and uh, methamphetamine or heroin or cocaine, is, is, or is it basically the same, irrespective of the substance that you're using? It's the same. In my experience, it's the same. Um, yeah. It doesn't matter what substance it is. If, if that's your focal point and if that's your thought, and if, you know, like I think we've said it before, you know, using is a full-time job. And, and it's full time because you're thinking about it all the time and you're thinking about how to, how to get enough for the, the night, how not to run out, how am I going to use effectively, how am I not going to get people to, how am I going to use without people finding out, what, like, when do I need to get it? Like, it, it's a full time job and because it's consuming the thoughts all the time. Yeah. And it's only when we're able to remove that substance use that some freedom starts to come back into life and you can start to, you can actually start to live a life without thinking about the substances all the time. So surrender, possible. realizing that you have a problem because you're, you're thinking about it all the time. At that point, if you actually surrender and acknowledge the, the fact that it has now got a control of your life, that is the prelude to actually recovery. So surrender should actually be celebrated as a milestone in one's journey to recovery, should it not? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and I hear that a lot. You know, like, and you, you hear it a lot around the rooms. It's like, um, I, I surrendered, and life just became simpler. Because yeah. how does that it's happen? Easier not to. How does it happen? Yeah. How, um, how does life become easier when you surrender? Because. The removal, the removal of the issue altogether. Like it's just, if I'm if I'm sitting here all week and I'm and all I'm thinking about all week is shit. I've got this party coming up on Friday night. I don't want to make a dick of myself. I don't want to drink too much. I don't want to. That's on Monday. That's already consuming my week. When when you start to live a, a life in recovery and when you take away all those other issues, life becomes simpler. Because you, you you haven't got all those contributing factors, you haven't done you haven't got all the actions and the behaviours that that go with addiction, and that do cause the problems within life. So slowly they're removed, and life just becomes simpler. The chaos disappears, and you start to notice the chaos disappear. And life doesn't have the you know they talk about the big ups and downs. Life doesn't have the big ups and downs anymore. It just sort of more has that little ability to just come in waves it's not the extremes anymore so what you're saying then is i what i'm hearing is that the energy required to maintain the deceit is no longer needed because the, if you don't have to maintain the deceit you, you can put your energy into more productive things is that is, is that part of what you're saying yeah no that's a that's a pretty good description um because, like, yeah, as I said, like life just becomes simpler. There's, you don't wake up with that need to apologize all the time. You don't wake up with that need of, mm. fuck, what did I do last night? Um, mm. You know, so, and reliability starts to come back into life. But depending on how deep into the addiction you are, you are probably not showing up for appointments. You're probably not showing up for family things or you're going and you're leaving early. 
um, maybe work's become a problem and you're sleeping in or it's just difficult to get up and go to work because you're feeling the effects of the night before. You know, all these little things start to add up. And when you start to take those away, you start to fully realise the impact that the use is having on your life and on all aspects of your life and start to understand, mm. hey, maybe there's a better better life for me, a simpler life for me. And mm. every time I touch this substance, it's causing me trouble that I don't need. Yeah, yeah. So we've talked about how acceptance is surrender. We've talked about how acceptance is the prelude to, to change. Tell me about the role that acceptance has with resentment. Uh, well, resentment's built up over, t over, over a lifetime, obviously, but, um, you know, being able to accept where you're at in life and what's brought you to this point in life, it's, it's easy to look back and blame circumstances and it's easy to mm -hmm. look back and blame other people for where you've ended up. But the fact is that the substance has been used to a lot of the time to mask things that have happened in the past or to push things away that have happened in the past or to, to not deal with it. And, and that, 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 that can be on all levels on, on, on varying deepness of problems. But, um, once you accept that, okay, this is, this has happened to me or I have done this thing. That's when you can start to look at the solutions. And that's when you can start to work on it because if those resentments and those things keep coming up and they're keeping you trapped in addiction and you're not dealing with them, then they're going to keep you trapped in addiction. They're going to be reasons that you keep going back, back to the substance. So until you start to actually accept that this is where I am and this is, this is how I got here in life, I need to find solutions and this is why the treatment models start to open up and this is why the, the treatments and interventions start to become effective because people are more willing to work with a psychologist people are more willing to work mm. with a counselor you know like and, and they start because yeah. it's like i said before you know it's it, this this is 15 percent chemical and 85 percent life issues you know yeah, you, have, you, you take away that. the chemical you take away the chemical when you start to deal with the life stuff and the resentments and accept that this is where I am, I've made choices along the way. And, you know, maybe I've had periods, I keep making the choice to stay in addiction. This is going to be a hard fight, but I can change this. And I'm willing to accept that I'm an addict or I'm an alcoholic and I'm, I'll surrender and I'm willing to open myself to new, new ideas. I'm willing to try anything not to go back to that. And that's where this is hard and it's a process again because people are digging up shit from the past. They're digging up pretty traumatic stuff sometimes. And mm. this is why, again, we have that, that start-stop. And But it's actually working through the problem because maybe that's where the relapse and the lapses happen as this stuff yeah. becomes bigger and you get deeper into it. And so... Yeah. Yeah, it's just, but you, you start to move through it. And, um, you know, acceptance plays a big role. There's, after a while, life can seem pretty good. You know, if, you, if you've been in recovery for a little while. 
And so the denial starts to creep back in and the, or the complacency and you start to think, oh, actually life's going pretty well now. It's been pretty good. So maybe I can just have this one off. Maybe I can just do this one and go back on. Maybe I can just do this weekend. And that's where the acceptance has then disappeared again and you're back in denial about the problem. So acceptance of one's past is utterly crucial to understand your journey to your recovery. So it's a bit like history. People, I talk with historians sometimes about the role of history and civilization, and you know, why, why do we have historians and why, why is history a good thing? And they all say basically the same thing, that unless we understand our past, we can never understand mm. our present and future. But that's actually true within the, the concept of AOD, isn't it? Unless you can understand the past, Unless you can deal with the trauma that drove you to substance use in the first point, you will then continually be locked in this cycle of substance use dealing with pain and suffering. Because we're all very good at dealing with short-term pain and suffering. It's just the long-term consequences are awful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's only when you start to understand your story and you start to yeah. become willing to explore that story um, that you start to unlock the things that maybe you've pushed away or, or didn't know, you know, like we all think we know ourselves really well. Um, yeah. but, uh, it's great to get other opinions and different, um, different, uh, perspectives and, and ideas because we, we get trapped in this tunnel vision sometimes and we need others to open us, open up ideas for us. Um, and so, if, give us an example. The acceptance again of 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 that lack of self knowledge that, that that we require others to tell us the truth about ourselves. Yeah, when I'm challenged, I get aggressive. Yeah. Let's say, right. let's let's say that you know. So 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 don't challenge me because I'll get aggressive. Well, hang on. What about we work on the aggression and we start to work on different ways of responding to a situation. What about we, and, yeah. and so that you start to get a better understanding of yourself and you don't reach that tipping point so quickly and you don't get aggressive. And then that will remove some of the issues that are caused by the aggression. Because you know, if you, if someone, if someone says something and you flip into the aggression straight away and you start, you know, it can cause arguments, cause problems. Um, and situations escalate really quickly. If you can challenge that behavior and start to accept maybe there's a different way to handle it, and I can actually do that, I can learn that new behavior, people will think, oh, I, can, nah, I can't learn how to, nah, this is just me, this is just how I react, and this is how I'm always going to react. No, no, we're always able to be, learn new things, and it's challenging how that you... belief. So you, you talk about aggression. I, I don't really see that much aggression in my patients. What I see more of is rejection sensitivity. My patients crumble when they feel rejected. How would you help someone with that, with that uh, issue? Uh, come through with boundaries and self-esteem and self work. And so mm -hmm. that to me would... Uh, if, if, if there's a um, if, if they're having trouble with rejection um, if that's what co causes an issue for them then they'll be working on self-esteem um, yeah. and working on 
building up their understanding of self and that confidence mm. within self and starting yeah. to work from that angle. So because we all, we're all going to hear no throughout our lives and we all need to learn to say no. And we so yeah. um, and it stops that people-pleasing behaviour. So again, it's, it's mm. challenging that belief um, and, and uh, yeah, and start building on the self-esteem so that they're able to better handle rejection when it happens. So again, it goes back to acceptance. We have to accept that we are going to live in a world full of rejection, but we have to accept that there is a different way of dealing with that rejection that is not involving the use of substances. Yeah, and uh, yeah. accept that maybe there is going to be some hurt. Maybe this is going to be yeah. really difficult to deal with for a period yeah. of time, and I have yeah. to sit in that instead of running off and using a substance that gives me that instant gratification and, yeah. you know, and makes me feel better, but it doesn't change the problem. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Craig, we've run out of time <laughs> far too quickly as usual. Can you give <laughs> me a final summary point on your view of acceptance and its role in recovery? Well, I think acceptance is when, as I, I think we said at the start, acceptance is when, um, when you open yourself up to new ideas and treatment becomes possible. Recovery becomes possible. When you start to accept your past, when you start to accept um, that you have a problem with substance abuse, that's, and, you, and you can start to challenge old beliefs, it opens up a whole new level of self-discovery. And it'll open up a whole new level of um, of understanding of self, and that's where recovery will start to happen. Craig Payne, thanks for your pearls of wisdom as ever, and I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Yeah, I look forward to it, Fergal. Cheers, mate. That's it for today's show. My name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong. Thank you for joining us.